0: That helps uh, the show climb up the rankings and helps more people uh, find it so thanks a lot near are you ready I am ready George I'm ready the people are ready let's go welcome to money savage engage this is George Grumbacher near ayal consults writes teaches about the intersection of psychology technology and business he's an entrepreneur he's the author of the best-selling book hooked and his new book Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life is available now. I'm excited to have you on. Nir, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your
1: work, and why you do what you do. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm what you call a behavioral designer. So uh, my first book was called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products, and I wrote that book after several years teaching at Stanford and the design school there as well. And uh, I wrote the book because I wanted to democratize the techniques that companies like Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp and the gaming companies and Slack all use to get people hooked to their products. And the idea behind democratizing these techniques was so that anyone working on any sort of product that requires repeat engagement can use those very same techniques for good. Uh, so you can get people hooked to exercising in the gym, get people hooked to uh, saving money, get people hooked to uh, you know being more productive at work, whatever the case might be. That's really what's, what's happened over the past five years. Uh, I've worked with companies ranging from the New York Times to Microsoft to Netgear, all kinds of different products and services to help people make the kind of product and services that are more engaging, that people use because they want to, not because they feel like they have to. Now, that's all well and good. Um, and at the time when I wrote Hooked, the problem was was that people found that technology was too intimidating, right? <laughs> that yeah. we used to complain about, oh, this isn't user-friendly, only nerds can use it. Right. Uh, you know, that's That was the perception we had around technology. Well, today, the tide has definitely turned. Today... Technology is so well made. It's so well designed that sometimes we want to use it too much and sometimes we find that it is distracting And so I wrote this next book that uh, just recently was published called indistractable And it's about how to control your attention and choose your life and that book is really about you know How do we master distraction? How do we live with personal integrity and become the kind of people we want to become by doing the things we say we're going to do and so that's that's really um, been my, my quest over the past five years since I wrote my first book was to really figure this out, you know, first and foremost, for myself. <laughs> I was patient zero here. I wanted to figure out how to become indistractable myself. I, I believe that becoming indistractable is the skill of the century, that, uh, you know, there are really going to be two kinds of people in the world, people who let their attention and their lives be controlled and manipulated by others, and people who stand up and say, nope, I'm indistractable. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. And so that's what I want to help facilitate out there.
0: I love it. So... To a degree, you're a victim of your own success that you did such a great job teaching organizations how to hook people. And now it's a matter of I'm sort of being glib here of of, of sort of unringing that bell and then helping people to uh, to perhaps recognize what's what's going on
1: and how important it is to be intentional with their attention. Right, right. And I still stand behind everything in Hooked because, you know, I I always, it's two different products we're talking about. Uh, You know, Hooked was about how to uh, build the kind of products and services that people aren't currently using, right? How many businesses are struggling with people overusing their product? Very, very few people (laughs) listening right now are are worried about anyone getting addicted to their product. You know, so that was really my target client. It was never, you know, the, 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 the social media networks or the gaming companies. That's where I learned these techniques that I wanted to democratize for others. So that's one set of products now indistractable is around a whole nother set of products indistractable is about you know these 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 products that sometimes we overuse now what i don't like i think that that we hear a lot of these days is that technology is hijacking your brain and it's manipulating you that it's it's addicting everyone and that narrative has gone overboard uh part of the reason i wanted to write this book is because it's really disempowering for people when you tell them there's nothing you can do about this, right, hijacking your brain. You know, there's this article that went viral, ironically, uh, that someone wrote about how technology is hijacking your brain, and that's just so wrong, right? Hijacking mm-hmm. is what they did to us on 9-11. It's right. not what, you know, using Facebook or Candy Crush. I mean, give me a break. <laughs> it's not a whole nother category. Um, and So what I did want to help people understand, and, and you know, again, this was really something I wrote for myself more than anyone. Was that number one? Distraction is nothing new. That it's been around for at least 2,500 years. Plato talked about it 2,500 years ago. He called it akrasia, the tendency to do things against our better interest. So distraction is nothing new, and it's not about the tech. That in fact distraction goes much deeper than just our tech. The tech is what we call the proximal cause. It's a symptom. Of what's really going on. Uh, because you know, people have been getting distracted by all kinds of things. Television and you know, gossip and the newspaper and I mean, the radio, it just goes on and on. There's all kinds of distractions out there. However, I think in this day and age, because technology has become so pervasive and persuasive, if you are looking for distraction, if you are susceptible to distraction, then certainly distraction you will find. And there are lots of companies that are happy to sell you distraction. And so it behooves us to understand how do we put this stuff in this pla- in their place? Because I- I'm not a tech Luddite, I love technology. And I think you know, if you wanna succeed uh, these days, you have to also understand how to use technology to leverage it to, to, uh, to improve your career, to improve your life the question is, you know, how do we make sure that we can get the best out of these technologies without letting them get the best of us?
0: Yeah, I think that's really well said and so important to, to take a big step back and to recognize that really a thing, be it technology or or water, is not good nor is it bad. You know, it's it's how it's being used and applied in your own life because we're enjoying technology right now and water gives us life, but if you you know, if it rains too much or whatever, you sort of get the idea here. So absolutely. Facebook is not good or bad. Fantasy football is not good or bad. It's the application of it. So I think I thought that was such an important thing that I don't think we think about enough. Um, And one of the core themes I sort of took away also uh, is just the one of the major problems that we don't talk about probably enough is that is that pain is such an enormous part of our lives. And
1: that's perhaps one of the really root causes of what's going on? Right, right. So, you know, to, to kind of uh, introduce this model, there's four basic steps to becoming indistractable. And so to, to explain this model, I need to start by explaining what is distraction, right? What is this word that I keep using? And the best way to understand distraction is to understand the opposite of distraction. So the opposite of distraction, if you ask most people, most people will tell you focus. But the opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. <laughs> That if you, in fact, looked at, look at the entomology of the word, traction and distraction both come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull, and they both end in the same six-letter word, A-C-T-I-O-N, that spells action. So traction is any action that pulls you towards what you want to do, things that you do with intent. And if that thing you want to do with intent is watch football on TV or uh, play Candy Crush or be on Facebook or, wh- or check email or whatever it is you want to do it with intent, it's totally fine. It's traction. Okay. There's nothing wrong with these technologies. As you said, it's about how we use them, how much we use them. And so if you're using them with intent, it's traction. Now, the opposite of traction is distraction. Mm -hmm. Distraction is anything you do that is that pulls you away from what you intended to do. So the only way to know that if you are distracted or not is to plan ahead. And so, this is one of the critical techniques that I talk about. It's called making time for traction. That in this day and age, you have to plan your day or somebody else will. That if you, you know, it's amazing, two thirds of Americans, two thirds of Americans don't keep any sort of a calendar. I mean, that's like leaving your wallet on a busy city street, right? (laughs) Somebody's going to steal it. You can't leave it unguarded. You know, people will build safes and uh, storage, you know, storage uh, containers and they'll pay money to keep their stuff safe but we don't spend any time thinking about how to keep our time safe. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't do that, we shouldn't be surprised. Here's the thing, if there's one mantra I want folks to remember from the book, it's that you can't call something a distraction unless you know what it distracted you from. So there's no excuse to saying you got distracted if you didn't decide what you wanted to do in advance. So we've got traction to the right, we've got distraction to the left. Now, what moves us towards traction or distraction? Two things. You've got external triggers and you've got internal triggers. External triggers, these are the pings, the dings, the rings, all of these things that prompt you to either traction or distraction by giving you some kind of information in your environment, right? So your phone notifications, another person, a colleague, a boss, your kids, all of these things can be external triggers that leads you lead you towards traction or distraction based on whether it's something you plan to do Right? So if an alarm goes off and says, hey, it's time to work out, it's time to go to that meeting, it's time to spend time with your kid, great, that's leading you towards traction. But if an alarm goes off, if a ping or ding or notification goes off and you plan to, to, to be with someone you love and now you're checking your phone instead, well, now that's a distraction. Hmm. So those are the external triggers. But the most important source of distraction, the most prominent source of distraction are not the distractions, the external triggers that originate outside of us, but in fact, they are the ones that originate within us. Because the number one source of distraction is not the external trigger. It's what's called the internal trigger. And this goes back to your question. So sorry, this is a little circuitous way of answering <laughs> your question. It turns out if you ask most people, what motivates us? Why do we do what we do, right? The fundamental question of Indistractable of my book is why do we do things against our better interest? But to understand that. And by the way, that's a verbatim Plato's question as well. It's a, it's a great question, right? If we know what to do, why don't we just freaking do it? If we know what we're supposed to do, right. why do we procrastinate? Why do we get distracted? But in order to answer that, we have to go a layer deeper, really to first principles to ask ourselves, why do we do anything? And the answer to all human motivation is not what most people think. Most people think if you say, okay, what, what motivates us? They're going to give you some version of carrots and sticks, right pain and pleasure this was called freud's pleasure principle that everything we do is about the uh desire for pleasure and the avoidance of pain turns out neurologically speaking that is just not true that neurologically what is going on in our brains is only one thing that motivates us that one thing is the desire to escape discomfort it's pain all the way down in fact even the desire to feel something good right The desire, wanting, craving. There's a reason we say love hurts because neurologically that is exactly what's going on. So if you think about this physiologically, right? So if you feel cold, that's not comfortable, you put on a jacket. If you're hot, you take it off. If you feel hunger pangs, you eat. When you're stuffed, oh, that doesn't feel good, you stop eating. So those are physiological sensations and the same holds true for psychological sensations. So when you're lonely, check Facebook. When you're uncertain, Google. When you're bored, ESPN, stock prices, the news, Reddit, Pinterest, all of these things cater to this uncomfortable emotional sensation. So that means if all human behavior is prompted by a desire to escape discomfort, that means that time management is pain management. And if we don't face that fact, that we are using these distractions to escape something we don't want to feel whether that that thing that we are using is is you know working too much uh, going online too much drinking too much whatever it might be if we don't understand the reason why we are doing things against our better interest why we are getting distracted and coming to to the understanding that the reason we are doing this stuff is to escape an uncomfortable sensation if we don't face that fact and learn techniques to cope with that discomfort, we will always be distracted by something. So that is the first and most critical step is to master these internal triggers by learning new ways to cope with discomfort.
0: Got it. Okay. I think that's really powerful stuff. And I, I certainly I, I certainly agree with, I, I think, all of it um, and love, love the saying, I, I wish I could attribute it properly. In this life, you're either the hand, hammer or the, or the anvil. So you're either… You know, doing, taking action, and hitting something, or or being hit and being impacted. And I don't know if that's an appropriate way to sort of think about what you've just been talking about. But if you're not, if you're not moving in the direction of the life that you want, of what Plato was talking about, um, then you're probably a lot more susceptible to distraction, and you're going to find other things to do other than what it is you're doing. But what about folks that are stuck in maybe a career or a situation where they're just not happy at all?
1: Are all bets yeah. off then? That's a great, great point. So, you know, a lot of authors of different productivity books are, are I think are kind of naive <laughs> and they say, look, here's everything I'm going to tell you to do. And they don't appreciate the larger context within which people work, right? With the, 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 that, that our environment shapes our behavior. So if you do everything I tell you to do and you become indistractable, but Your boss decides to call you at 7 p.m. on a Friday night because he or she is a jerk. Yeah. (laughs) Is it is it the technology that it's at at fault? Is it the phone that, that, that the boss used to call you that's at fault? Uh, no. Is it your fault that, that, uh, somehow something you did didn't, uh, didn't make that boss not call you? No, I would argue that that's an issue of company culture. Mm-hmm. And so half of indistractable is about things that you can do yourself, right? You can master the internal triggers, make time for traction, hack back external triggers and prevent distraction with packs. Those are the four steps to becoming indistractable. But because we operate in these various environments, we need to understand, how we can adapt our behavior or adopt new culture inside an organization. So there's a whole section of the book that's, that's titled, uh, why distraction in the workplace is a symptom of cultural dysfunction. Because what I found was in my research that distraction at work, you know, we like to blame our technology. We like to say, Oh, the the iPhone distracted me or email distracted me or slack distracted me. But really there's no correlation between how much tech a company uses and how distracted people feel at that company one of the technologies that people complained about most, number one was email. Number two was group chat. And in group chat, people complained about Slack a lot, right? Slack is the largest group chat app mm-hmm. out there. And so I went to pay Slack a visit. And my assumption was, look, if it's the technology that's causing people to get distracted, then the people at Slack, they use Slack more than anyone. They should be the most distracted people on earth. <laughs> right. But but that's not what I found. <laughs> because at Slack, they have this very unique company culture that respects people's time, that acknowledges that for people to do their best work, they need time to disconnect, right? Disconnect from work while at work so that they can think, (laughs) right? And disconnect outside of work so they can have a life and take care of themselves, take care of their relationships, take care of their family. And so it's fascinating. At Slack, in big pink letters, at the company headquarters, there's a big, uh, like almost graffiti-looking sign that says, work hard and go home. (laughs) It's part of the company culture to become indistractable. And that's very unique. So, you know, we can we can do something about this. Of course, if you manage a company, there's a lot you can do because you're in a position of, of of power to affect company culture and culture flows downhill. But even if you're not a manager, there's a lot you can do. One, you can become indistractable yourself to set an example for others. And then you can communicate some of these techniques with your colleagues. So this is what happened at BCG, Boston Consulting Group they used to have a very high employee churno, churn rate. I, I worked there at one point in my life. It was my first job out of undergrad, and it was a terrible company culture. I mean, they just churned through people constantly. Whereas now, it's rated as... as one of the best places to work in America, they have a very high Glassdoor score as rated by their employees because they have completely changed their company culture to respect people's time. And not only ha- have people benefited from this and that they stay around much longer so they don't have to constantly recruit new people, which is very, very expensive, but they also noticed that their customer service improved. Their, their, the, the, the work output that they were delivering to their clients improved because people could talk about this problem. So it turns out the real problem of distraction at work is not the technology. The real problem of distraction at work is that people can't talk about the problem itself. That turns out to be the real problem, that when people start talking about this, they can find solutions that suit their organization. Uh, But the real problem is is organizations where this is something you're not allowed to talk about because you're afraid you're going to get fired. Got it. I think one of
0: the things I really enjoyed most about the book was how there's so many great tools and practical things you can put into action as an individual, that, but then also as as an organization. And I know that mm-hmm. that's, I mean, one of the huge problems that we're facing right now is so many disengaged, distracted people that don't like what they're doing. So the more that both, again, the individual and then an the organization can do to put their people in position to to be indistracted, um, I, I think the better. So. Yeah, absolutely
1: savage nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, so I think the tip that I would give folks is to understand that you are more powerful than you think that uh, there's a lot of research out there that people have a lot of self-limiting beliefs. And I'll give you just one quick example. Uh, in my book, I talk about how you can reimagine your temperament. Uh, temperaments are defined as these defining traits of a person. And it turns out that a lot of people have these ideas about themselves and their abilities that really backfire. For example, this idea that I know many folks have heard that willpower is a limited resource, hmm. right? And here's what it sounds like. So for me, I would come home from work, very hard day, and I would say, oh, I am spent, right? I can't make any more good decisions, I'm spent. Give me that pint of Ben and Jerry's, I'm gonna sit on the couch and watch Netflix, right? And that idea that willpower is a limited resource, like gas in a gas tank, actually had some scientific validation. Uh, There were actually studies that showed this concept that, that the psychologists call ego depletion, that we actually do run out of willpower like gas in a gas tank, except for the fact that when other scientists tried to replicate these studies, they didn't validate them. They could not replicate these ego depletion studies. So it turns out that this idea that we run out of willpower is not true, except except the work of Carol Dweck at Stanford found that it is true that some people do run out of willpower, just like they run out of gas in a gas tank. And those people, the only people who really did exhibit ego depletion were the people who believed that their willpower was limited. Hmm. Okay, do you see what happened here? Yeah. This self-limiting belief that, oh, I'm spent, I can't anymore, I have no more willpower, I can't make any more good decisions, only affected the people who believed that was the case. And I think we see the exact same story unfolding when it comes to technology these days. If you think that it's hijacking your brain, there's nothing you can do about it, that it's taking over your kids' minds, that it's addicting everyone, you will act accordingly. And that's not helpful and it's not true because there is so much we can do to put these distractions in its place. We can all get the best out of technology without letting it get the best of us. We can all become indistractable.
0: Like that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on, come on. And Anir, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Where can they get a copy of Indistractable?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Indistractable, the the book is available wherever books are sold. And if you do get the book, make sure you go to indistractable.com. There's a complimentary 80-page workbook that we couldn't fit into the book, but it's yours free, as well as a video course as well. It's also complimentary. All that is at indistractable.com. And my own website is nearandfar.com, but near is spelled like my first name, N-I-R, so nearandfar.com. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as
0: much as I did, show me your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas or who spends way too much time on Facebook. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Go to, uh, uh, number one, pick up a copy of Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. And it's awesome to, to learn that there's an 80-page workbook as well, so you can actually take and then... Work through how to uh, put everything into action so that's 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 good stuff thanks again Nir. thank you i appreciate it and until next time keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together before i go quick announcement i've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do i start a podcast that i've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So, if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georggroundbacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review.